Knucklehead MFA Fan. It's time! What's up, everyone? Knuckleheads MMA Podcast for UFC Fight Night Raleigh. This is Fight Night 166, and it is Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. I'm Tim. I'm here again with Lee. We're talking fucking Lee. Happy New Year. Is it too late to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to my sister-in-law, Jessica. Uh, She listens to every episode. She doesn't even like MMA, so (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, we're coming off of UFC 246, uh, the return of Conor McGregor. A lot of people were uh, really excited about it. The group that I watched the fights with, I, I went to Jose's house. Uh, they were really uh, pumped for the main event. But I've heard a lot of people saying that uh, they didn't think the card was that stacked and it was really just about that fight. I kind of disagree with that. Uh, what about you, Lee? Yeah, I disagree with that. I mean, to the casual MMA fan, I can get that. But that was a good quality card. Um, You know, it may not be be one of those like top to bottom star studded cards where you're like, wow, that fight's on the prelims. That's a a pay-per-view quality fight. But um, I mean, I had no problem with the card whatsoever. And I guarantee it drew quite a bit of casual fans uh, just for Connor. So uh, interested to hear what the pay-per-view numbers are if we ever do hear them. Right, and we'll get into Connor in uh, a little bit. First, let's uh, let's talk about what we learned from UFC 246. Uh, so what did you learn from UFC 246, Lee? So the first thing is that some casual mixed martial arts fans are idiots. They were complaining <laughs> about how quick the Connor Cowboy fight was. Uh, meaning that, hey, I paid 65 bucks for this fight. It was so fast. Well, I mean, it's just unbelievable that you knowingly pay for a fight and you know that the fight could end at any time. And then if it does, you're complaining about how long the fight went. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then you have people complaining that, well, the fight may have been fixed, which is even more absurd. Um, If you don't want to understand what fighting is about, don't pay $65 for it. It's sort of like going to a buffet of a bunch of food you don't know about and you, and, and you go and eat it anyway. So be quiet. Thank you. That's what I learned. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think everybody pays that much. Actually, I'm surprised to hear that they're complaining about paying because I thought the casual fans just stream the fights. But yeah. yeah. What I learned uh, is actually what I think everybody else needs to learn or be reminded of. And that is Macy Barber is only 21 years old. Uh, Everybody, not everybody, people are criticizing her performance and her behavior in her corner after she was injured and uh, taking the mic from Joe Rogan after the fight uh, and kind of stealing the spotlight from Roxanne Matafari. While those things aren't necessarily the right things to do, she's basically a kid and she will mature. She's a great fighter. I think everybody just needs to remember that she's only 21. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, her intentions were good. Um, I heard what Roxanne Matafari said in reaction to that on Ariel Hawani's podcast. And she basically said, yeah, she didn't do the right thing, but I forgive her. She's young. So I think if her opponent thinks that, we should as well. Right. I'm with you, Roxy. I'm with you, too. 
Uh, well, the second thing I learned um, is that uh, coming out of this fight, you know, we're talking about what's next for Connor, and I want to put a kibosh on boxing. Connor McGregor should never enter a boxing ring ever again, and unfortunately, it gets it keeps getting brought up. At the time of this recording of this podcast, now we have Bob Arum, boxing promoter. He's about 112 years old saying that he wants to offer the UFC a two-fight deal. One MMA fight, one uh, boxing fight for Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford has already said he's willing to fight MMA first um, and then do the boxing match. Here's the big difference. If you don't know who Terrence Crawford is, he is ridiculously good fighter. He's insane. Pound for pound, insane. He has a wrestling background. His family has a wrestling background. Like, he, he, you know... It's it's sort of a legit thing if you're going to ask a boxer, you know, to come over to MMA. He's probably the guy you want to do it. But Conor McGregor, stop it already. You know, you just had a nice return to MMA, mixed martial arts. Stick with it for a while. Cement your legacy as a mixed martial artist. Forget about boxing. Please stop it. No more Conor in boxing. The other thing I learned is that I will never bet on Anthony Pettis again. Ha! <laughs> Uh, his performance uh, cost me a lot of money. I regret putting the money on him, and I won't do it again. Uh, what else did you learn? Well, the final thing that I learned, and it pains me to say it because I really, really love the guy as a fighter, is that Donald Cowboy Cerrone should hang it up. He really should, and this is why I say it. He can still fight. He can still fight, and he could beat a lot of people in the UFC, and he could probably hang around the lower half of the top 10 but there's nothing else to prove i think it's been proven in his past few fights that he's taken a lot of damage and he can't take the punishment he used to be able to um guy's got a kid and uh i know he wants to keep fighting and i get it but there's literally nothing left to prove and it's getting to the point where it's it's getting painful to watch not bj penn painful to watch but he cannot compete with those upper echelon fighters. Uh, uh, he can't win uh, on a consistent basis anymore. I'd like to see Donald Cowboy Cerrone retire. Uh, guy will always go down as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and that's uh, what we learned. It's what we learned, and why don't we dive a little bit uh, deeper into the Connor Cowboy fight? Because even though it only lasted just over forty-five seconds, it was it was pretty fascinating, you know. I, I had, I mean, let's let's start with the walkout. Like I, I got reminded with that Connor walkout, just how big he was, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I mean, big in status. It, it just like you got those rare goosebumps. Like man, you know, even though though this guy has been so full of crap about when he's going to fight again for the past year or so, and he's been inactive. Once he showed up, it was like, oh, man, th- this is so special. I mean, weren't you reminded of that during that walkout? Yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, super loud, too. The reaction was instant, and it was louder than anything we heard the whole night. Uh, yeah. People were really excited to see him, and he seemed like the same guy. Like, it didn't seem like anything had changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely, even though a lot of people were talking about how nice he was to Cerrone during the week, uh, he turned it on. You know, he turned it on. He got serious. Really, once that final ceremonial stare down started, it was no BS from there. But the fight itself, uh, you know, obviously not a whole lot of action in in terms of length and and, and duration. But Connor sort of pulled a little uh, Jorge Masvidal 
uh, right. bum rushing. Yeah, bum rushing Cerrone. One thing that I thought Tim got overlooked was that you know when we talked about when when people talk about when Cerrone got hurt, they're so focused on the shoulders. But he caught a bit of uh, of Connor's thigh, and I think that's initially what really sort of set Cerrone back um, is that he caught a little bit of thigh or knee and then those shoulders came. What do you make of, especially the, the shoulder, I don't know, what would you call them? Shoulder shrugs or whatever that yeah, a lot of people. shoulder strikes. Yeah. Yeah. Shoulder strikes. What do you make of that? Like unique. I mean, some people like Michael Bisping blew it off. He's like, man, do that all the time. It was more that Cerrone's chin just couldn't withstand it. Like, what was your point of view? It's uh, it's kind of old school. It's something that you used mm-hmm. to see more in the old days of the UFC. Uh, it's not something I expected him to use, and I don't think Cowboy expected him to use it either. I think the second one really caught him. Uh, yeah. It definitely like hurt him. Uh, he seemed he gets a face when he's hurt, and you can see that face like yes. basically the entirety of the fight. <laughs> like, he he looked like he was in trouble. He looked like he was concerned. Uh, I think yeah. I think the knee or the thigh, like you're saying, did at least connect. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how bad it hurt him or not. It was hard to tell. Uh, yeah. the, the high kick definitely that was bad. Oh and then, yeah, that was. Uh, the left that uh, put him all the way down was really bad. It, it yeah. was it was a tough uh, like 40 seconds for a cowboy. Yeah, just not I, not a good look. Yeah, not a good look at all. And uh, I thought the shoulder strikes were uh, Connor deserves credit. You know, like you, you usually don't see those happen that early in a fight. You know, so it was great timing, and um, his head was certainly in position to take those shoulders. And that leg kick was fantastic. You know, it made me really eat crow because one, I picked Cerrone, but two. Um, I made it very clear I thought Cerrone's striking game and kicks, especially kicks, were much better. I mean, basically, Cerrone never got an opportunity to get anything off. So you got to give you know Connor credit for all that. I mean, you could rip on Cerrone like uh, all you want about just not being able to withstand the punishment and. You know, I've I heard even absurd stuff, ha- you know, p- said um, on UFC's post-fight show where uh, that idiot, and I'm making it very clear, he's an idiot. Stephen A. Smith crossed over oh. to the uh, <laughs> the desk, which ESPN does with bigger MMA cards, and brings him on with guys like Bisbing and uh, and 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 you know others, and and it's sh- he literally questioned Cerrone's heart, and it's like, all right, step away, you know, like yeah. you can't question Cerrone's heart. But um, Connor deserves all the credit. He instigated the fight, and he finished it. It was a spectacular performance, regardless of how worn down his uh, opponent was, you know? Yeah. What do you make of uh, the rumor? So, some people are, are saying, I guess it's not a rumor, the opinion. Uh, people are saying that Connor kind of suckered Cowboy into believing that they were going to have a, a like a war, like a fun fight. That was going to be like back and forth for a long time. And they think that that is part of what caught him off guard. And that was maybe a a plan from Conor McGregor. Do you put any uh, stock into that? You know, I I hadn't really thought about it. I don't know that I would go that far. But what I would say is that, you know... (sighs) Cerrone, it's interesting leading up to a fight. He, he's clearly not comfortable with trash talk. Um, if you go back to the buildup to the, with the Nate Diaz fight, uh, he really was bothered by Nate's, you know, antics. And, um, 
In this case, you know, you had a guy who was being incredibly respectful to him, but I think it may have made Cerrone almost too lax. You know, I think, yeah. like, he was so fanboy of Connor. You know, like, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, man. You're the ones, you know, and it's like, come on, man. Like, you know, it, uh, it, it's, it almost went too far. So I almost think that, yeah, it may have taken his mind off of the fact that. Yeah, dude, this you might be in some trouble here at some point. Wake up. Um, so I guess I could see that a little bit. Yeah, it's not out of the question. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't know because we don't see Connor come out that fast uh, all the time. I mean, obviously, uh, the Jose Aldo fight. But he also expected Aldo to come out like that. And that was his yeah. plan is to counter it. But And, and Aldo did come out like comes that. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they both threw a punch. Yeah. Yeah. More often than not, you'll see Connor come out kind of like messing around, like he'll like uh, walk like in a weird way, or sometimes he'll like crawl yeah. kind of toward them. But this mm-hmm. time he just came out with a flying knee. It's yeah. not really characteristic of him, and maybe he did think that Cerrone was thinking they were going to ease into it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a valid point, a de- valid point of discussion, but. You know, maybe to close it out, at the end of the day, you just got to give Connor credit. You know, if you truly believe that Cerrone was shot, okay, cool. Well, then what should Connor have done against Cerrone? I'll tell you what he should have done if you think he's shot. Beat him in 47 seconds, and he did it. So, I mean, what do you want? Yeah. You know, I it's it's like you can't win. But Connor's back. Um, maybe one final thing. Uh, yeah. There are some people who are saying that the fight didn't really prove anything because it didn't go that because of the fact that it didn't go that long. And I, I, I personally, I call BS on that again. It sort of goes uh, back to what I just, I, I well, kind of agree well, with that. All right, go ahead first. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I get it from the sense that if, if you're going to solely judge Connor on like, okay, I wanted to see him fight longer and somebody who brought more to the table. Yeah. Like those questions are unanswered. This fight doesn't answer anything. If he, uh, for Connor, if he were to fight like an Usman or a wrestle, you know, Khabib again. Yes. Uh, but if he's fighting someone who's willing to strike with him, I think what we saw was that, you know, d- don't sleep on Connor. Like he can finish you quickly. So, you know, it, that's my thought about that. But what do you think? Because you, you seem to have a, a strong opinion, maybe an yeah. opposing one. Yeah. Uh, well, you kind of said uh, my point. Uh, it doesn't prove that he can handle somebody like Usman or Khabib. And I still believe that he can't. Uh, and those I, are the fights. Those are the fights that he wants. He wants to fight Khabib again, and Usman is the champion, so he wants to fight him. I think both of them beat him. I think the Khabib fight doesn't go any differently uh, than it it did the first time. Yep, I I agree. Yeah. In terms of like him uh, finishing Cowboy fast, we we've seen him finish people quickly before. Uh, he threw like different strikes. Like we haven't really seen him hurt somebody that badly with a high kick that I can think of. Uh, and the shoulder strikes were different. He definitely looked a little bit different, but I mean that even that doesn't prove to me that he would be able to necessarily beat Justin Gagey. Uh, I still think that's like a super interesting fight. I, yep. I think that the Hori Masvidal fight is interesting. Like that performance doesn't tell me that he's going to beat any of them. And we've also seen Cowboy get uh, beaten quickly, like the like the Darren Till fight. Yeah. So I mean, to me. I'd still pick almost any of those top people uh, to beat Connor, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure on Gagey or Masvidal, but I could definitely see them winning. And as yeah. far as like 
Usman and uh, Khabib, I, I picked them. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, Gaethje or um, uh, Masvidal, you know, two people who would bring more of a striking game, absolutely c- could put Connor away, no doubt about it. But Connor's chances are better against them for the simple fact that yeah. it would be more of a striking matchup. So we'll see. I mean, you know, in terms of where we leave this, there's a lot of great options for Connor in mixed martial arts. Stay away from boxing, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. that. <laughs> All right. All right. So with that, we'll transition to uh, this week's card. Fight Night 166 uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, we'll break down the main card now. The first fight of the main card, we have Darko Stoshik versus Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill is a minus 139 favorite. Uh, another contender series product. Hill is 6-0 with three knockouts. He fights Stoshik in his UFC debut. Stoshik has struggled uh, so far with the promotion. He's 1-2. and two. Uh, and he has lost back-to-back decisions, his only win being over someone that's no longer with the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, this fight is a little tricky to predict because we can't really trust all the numbers on Hill because they were based on his contender series fight, and that's it. Right. Uh, so what do you think of this first fight, Ellie? Yeah, a quick assessment is that uh, you know this is Hill's official UFC debut. Uh, he's a super active striker. You know, he, he averages almost 10 significant strikes per minute. Stosik is a guy who, it's, I'll just be blunt, he's not an incredibly impressive fighter. I'm not sure he's in a UFC caliber fighter, but uh, I'm going to go with Hill for the simple fact that, uh, you know, he's more active. Um, and I think he's going to cause problems for Stosik, um, who honestly, the biggest memory I have of him is his last shot or last fight. He landed two nut shots and he had two points deducted. So um, it was a terrible fight and both fighters gasped, but he could have won that fight. So, you know, I'm just going to go with Hill, even though he's inexperienced. Um, He's very, very active. He's got some power in his hands. Uh, There's just nothing spectacular that Stosic does. So I'm going to go with Hill in this fight. Well, what do you think? Okay. uh, My question, like obviously Hill has the advantage striking, especially in volume. And he's a lot taller. So mm-hmm. you would think that that is where he would have success on the feet. So I was wondering, like, what happens, though, if uh, Stoshik takes Hill down? Because he does average, uh, like, a few takedowns per fight. Mm-hmm. So I, I rewatched the Contender Series fight. And I saw he stopped three takedowns, uh, some of which weren't great attempts. Mm-hmm. But one time he was taken down. And he scrambled back up quickly. So I'm not too worried about his ability to stop takedowns from Sosik, especially since I think he will get tired. And then mm-hmm. he won't be taking the best shots at that point. Uh, Sosik landed four takedowns uh, against Kennedy and Zinduko, and he still lost the fight. So even if uh, Hill does get taken down a couple times, I feel like he'll be able to... Um, win the rounds potentially with the volume and also because I don't think he'll stay down for long. So, uh, some of the good things about Hill also in terms of his striking were that he was throwing combos instead of just one shot. And he Mm -hmm. had a good finishing ability when his opponent was hurt. 
he didn't seem to get tired at all when he was going after him. And and you uh, would like, he started the whole finishing process by landing a really hard left hook to the body. Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of promise with Hill. Uh, Soshik might be kind of a tough challenge for him, given just the way he's built and his ability to wrestle. If maybe he holds downhill more than I'm anticipating. But I'm going to pick the upside of Hill in this fight. All right. So the second fight, we have Hannah Cyphers versus Angela Hill. Angela Hill is a minus 177 favorite. So we have back-to-back Hills, and they're both favorites on this card. Um, a lot of people hate Angela Hill. I'm not really sure why. She will fight Neither. anyone. She often walks out to punk rock songs, and mm-hmm. she fights at a super high pace, often landing over 100 strikes over three rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah Cyphers strikes at a decent rate herself, but it's more like in the 70s. Uh, they both take a lot of punches to give those punches. This is going to be a quick breakdown for me on this one, because I see this one as kind of a coin flip. That's how really all Angel Hill's fights are. She loses a lot, and uh, she strikes at a high volume, but she doesn't really hurt people very often. Right. So based on... Uh, it being 50-50, I'm going to side with Angela Hill on her volume and her size advantage. Uh, how do you see this one? Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and actually, uh, the points you made as well. I mean, you know, Angela Hill, first of all, going back to If you dislike her, I mean, that's your choice. I, I can't see why. I, I love her personality. I follow her on Twitter, and she's hilarious. She has really funny insights but knowledgeable insights to other fights. Um, I like her personality. I think her biggest asset is she's a creative striker. doesn't mean she's great, but she's creative. Um, to where Cyphers is pretty straightforward, um, but valid and great point that they both throw and absorb a lot of strikes. So I think we can see a couple of, like, of those sloppy exchanges, striking exchanges, where you're not watching either fighter who is necessarily very technically sound but they're willing to stand toe to toe no one really stands out to me uh but what does stand out is hill's creativity um you know cyphers is does have a two-fight winning streak she has some momentum and depending on how you want to look at it how negative you want to be you could either say hills won two of her last three or lost three of her last five but she she really (laughs) doesn't have top ranked uh, potential, you know, she, yeah, she actually went, went, yeah, you know, she went down to Invicta. She had success, but you know, she's just someone who is a, I, she's a solid gatekeeper fighter in the UFC. I, I don't see that as an insult. Just sometimes that's your role. But yeah. I do think even though overall she doesn't seem to ever be able to put it completely together in the UFC, that her creativity as a striker will ultimately, uh, you know, be the difference in this fight. So I'm going to take her as well. And that means that Hills are two and zero on the card so far. <laughs> Alright, so the third fight We have Jordan Espinoza Versus Alex Perez Alex Perez is a minus 265 Favorite uh, Espinoza was triangle choked by Matt Snell his last time out While Perez beat Mark Del Rosa Perez has only lost to Joseph Benavidez in the UFC They're both Active strikers on the feet And Perez should be able to get the edge With his wrestling but how do you see this third fight going, Lee? 
Yeah, I'll give a quick assessment. I, I just think Perez is the better fighter. I mean, I really, it's like just that blunt. He's the better fighter. Um, I mean, no one's ever taken, uh, you know, Espinosa has never been taken down in two UFC fights, but that's just because no one's ever tried. So, right. you know, but, um, but Perez can like, you know, he's won by many different methods, decisions, punches, even, you know, Anaconda choke, um, you know, and, and he can bang too. You know, I just think he's the more polished fighter. Uh, I don't pick him winning. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't pick him to stop, you know, win by stoppage, but I think he'll win this fight. I just think he's the better fighter, plain and simple, more polished. What do you think? Yeah, that's basically what I think, uh, unfortunately, because this probably isn't the most entertaining breakdown so far, but it's, it's not our fault though. Uh, Perez should be able to find some success with takedowns. I know we don't really have any evidence on, uh, Espinosa's takedown defense, but mm-hmm. I think Perez with the uh, the volume of of uh, three takedowns per fight, yeah, and his uh, really his ability for takedowns, he's very good at it. That yeah. he should be able to find some success at some point, getting the fight to the ground, and when he gets it there, he can threaten with submissions. Uh, yeah. So I also think I just don't see any reason Espinosa should win this fight that I, I could uh, predict. Of course, anything right. can happen, but if we're making a pick, I'm going with Perez. Yeah, sometimes these fights are straightforward. I mean, and they don't make for the sexiest of breakdowns, and so we'll save time on them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that brings us already to the co-main event. Uh, we have Rafael Dos Anjos versus Michael Chiesa. Uh, RDA is a minus 250 favorite. This is uh, definitely one of the more fun matchups on the card. I'm a fan of Chiesa, and he looked really good his last time out versus Diego Sanchez. Uh, all due respect to Diego, uh, RDA is not Diego Sanchez, though. Uh, the last time we saw him was in July, and he was uh, basically dominated by Leon Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a tough fight to predict. Uh, how do you see it, Lee? I think it's a really tough fight to predict, and and I think you know either guy you could you could justify winning. Um, as you mentioned, RDA you know lost to Leon Edwards. He's lost three of his last four. Leon Edwards, Usman, and Covington, and so I think the key there is that those are three guys that you know they get you down to the ground, right? They're and and RDA like Kiesa was at one point at 155 and moved up. So those, those to me, bigger, stronger guys who can get you down to the ground. Kiesa is a guy who, now being at 170, clearly is where he should be. Uh, 2-0 as a welterweight. Um, and Kiesa can get you down, get you in a clinch, can get you down. Uh, and that's going to be key. Um, you know, uh, he also, he's beaten Diego Sanchez and Carlos Condit. And I just think he looks at home here. I think the headlines are, you know, what does RDA have left in the tank? I'd love to hear what you think about that. And, you know, as I mentioned, can Kiesa get him down? And then can he submit him? You know, and, and RDA, you know, has a submission game as well. So it's, it's a, and, and, you know, I think RDA does have the advantage on the feet. Uh, so I have no doubt that Kiesa, unless he just veers off his game plan, is going to try and neutralize that by getting RDA in the clinch because I think Kiesa will be the stronger guy and trying to get him down to the ground. Um, I think. Kiesa will be a bit too strong, find his way to grind RDA to the ground. And um, I should probably pick, if I'm going to pick a Kiesa win, pick a decision win. But I'm actually going to go with a late submission. I'll say third round 
I think Kies is going to win, which I guess, according to the odds, would be an upset. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it would be a big upset, uh, given what the odds are. But I'm, uh, I'm on your side of it. Kies is going to be really big, I think, in this fight. He's much taller, and he's really a pretty big guy. He yeah. cuts down pretty far. Yeah. Uh, so, and I also think that he should be able to utilize his wrestling uh, to an advantage in this fight. Uh, RDA does not necessarily defend takedowns too well. And he also doesn't really threaten much from his back. Out of his 10 submission wins, he's only gotten one off of his back in the UFC, and that was in 2010. And he struggled with being taken down multiple times in his losses, uh, especially against people like Usman and Covington. Uh, Chiesa was able to get uh, several takedowns versus Diego Sanchez, and he also had eight passes. So my initial reaction to this fight is RDA uh, is a heavy favorite. And I kind of feel like he should be the one to pick here. But after looking into it, I think Kiesa is the one to go with. And it makes me kind of question the betting line here. Because minus 250 is pretty large. I was surprised by that too. Yeah. I see Kiesa winning by getting takedowns and controlling the fight. I don't really see RDA stopping that. And I don't really see what he's going to do uh, for him to win. I guess he could win it by keeping the fight on the feet and striking but i don't see him being able to keep the fight standing though yeah do you think he's maybe more on the downside of his career you know because that's a theme that uh, for me goes into our next fight with one of the guys and it's obvious yeah Um, (laughs) but but uh but um you know what do you think of i mean to me like I, i don't know i think we may have seen the best of rda and 170s facing some bigger dudes, you know. Yeah, I mean it's possible he's not that old yet, but he and he's also gone against some pretty tough competition lately. Like Leon Edwards has looked really good lately, and then he oh, yeah. lost to Usman and Covington. Like there's no real shame in all those fights, especially Covington's a super tough fight for him with uh, his inability to really stop takedowns. So I don't know. I still I still think there are fights out there. That uh, Dos Anjos could win. Oh, yeah. He, he might not have too much more time because he doesn't seem like he's getting closer to a title. And right. I don't I don't know how long he'll stick it out if that's not in the picture. Yeah, it's tough and it wears on you when you move up and you are facing bigger guys. And, you know, again, it's sort of like we talk about with Connor. You want to stick at 170, you're facing some big, strong boys. So... You know, right. that's it's it's sort of a you know common thing. All right, so let's move on to the main event though. Uh, it's Junior Dos Santos versus Curtis Blades, and Curtis Blades uh, is a minus two fifty favorite in this one. It's hard not to be on Curtis Blades as long as he's not fighting Francis Ngannou. He's looked right. really good, and JDS has an eighty percent takedown defense rate, but we have seen him get taken down. By good wrestlers before. I mean, it's going back quite a long time ago. But uh, Cain Velasquez, in their first fight, took him down multiple times. Uh, And Curtis Blades is an exceptional wrestler. So I believe he should be able to get him down that many times too. Uh, I don't really see JDS hurting Curtis Blades on the feet given the size difference. 
and there's not really uh, there's not really a great striking volume difference either. So this is another one where I just don't really see the path to victory for the opponent. And for me, it's a pretty clear pick of uh, Curtis Blades. But how do you see the main event, Lee? Yeah, th- this is the fight that should propel Curtis Blades into a championship contender. Uh, no shame in losing to Francis Ngannou twice. Um, you know, you could say, okay, Francis is a striker. Uh, so is JDS. But there was a point in time where Junior Dos Santos was one of the most feared heavyweight strikers. He's a, he was a very, very, very good boxer. But I think he is also, like RDA before this fight, uh, he slowed down a step. That's his only path he has a sh- that that he has to win this fight. Is he if he were to catch Blades standing up, uh, and it could happen. But Blades is yeah. going to pick his spot, and as you said, he's going to take uh, Dos Santos down. There's an incredible stat, and that and 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 it, and it follows up this next point I'm going to make. Blades is he can pound on the ground, man. He he's, he can yeah. ground and pound big time, and Per ESPN, I got to give them credit for this stat. Junior Dos Santos is one in five when an opponent lands just one significant ground strike. I mean, come on. Oh my God. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I'm really it, glad it, you it, found that because I didn't find it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they have a great uh, uh, breakdown on ESPN's MMA section. And um, so, look, that's going to happen. Okay. Curtis Blades yeah. is going to get him down and, and he's going to do what he's known for doing, which is ground and pound. Um, you know, the guy lands seven takedowns per 15 minutes, he attempts 12 per 15 minutes. That's a lot for an older fighter to deal with. Uh, and a fighter who's, you know, again, been through some war, uh, wars as well. So, um, you know, not to give a basic breakdown, but sometimes the paths are very clear. I think Curtis Blades uh, will, you know, be, fight smart. He knows what's on the line here. Um, and I think he'll, uh, you know, ground and pound his way to a, uh, I think, you know, decision victory or a late stoppage. But he's going to win this fight. Yeah. I mean, of course, we never know. And we could just be wrong on Sunday morning. But, I mean, Curtis Blades, ground and pound, Alistair Overeem was one of the more violent things I've seen in MMA. And uh, my wife was watching that fight, too, and she (laughs) was, uh, like, disgusted by it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, he, He can be really dangerous when he gets his fight to the ground. And, uh, I mean, I just think this is a fight for Curtis Blades. Yeah, and, and also, like, you can't sleep on him catching JDS standing up, too. I mean, you know, like, wrestlers, those especially the heavyweight division, they always have good power, too. So, that, you know, like, like that could happen. Anything can happen, but this this is the, you know, safe call. But, uh, you know, Curtis Blades is the real deal. He's sort of old school, you know. Let me take you down yeah. and ground and pound you and... And uh, we'll see. But uh, I think there is a clear path. And I think you and I, you know, we both love JDS. He's one of the most likable guys. But he's clearly, I think, more in the downswing of things. So Right. Did we uh, did we differ on any picks on this one? I don't think so, right? Uh, I don't think we did. You know, I mean, this is yeah. one of those cards that uh, the matchups are – there's a couple that were tough. Um 
But, you know, there, there seem to be clear paths. That's probably the best way to describe it, you know? Right. And so if you, whatever fighter you go with, you see a clearer path on this card for them than a lot of other fights where it can go so many different ways, you know? So Yeah. All right. So sorry it's not maybe the best breakdown we've done, guys, but this, that's the way this one is. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this one up now. So thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See you guys.